Welcome to Scats Chats, your destination for inspiration. Each episode, I chat with mental health professionals and everyday people just like you and me to talk about various wellness topics and the human experience. Get ready to feel inspired with another episode of... Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Scats Chats. I'm so excited that you're here. And you know what? You're doing yourself a huge favor today by coming to this podcast, taking care of your mental health and wellness, and just sitting back, relaxing, and listening to some more inspiring stories. And today we have a very interesting story. So I brought on Austin, who is a mental health counselor at a correctional facility. And honestly, Austin has seen and heard it all, right? On this episode, he talks about his experience and what he has witnessed thus far in this position. And so Austin had contacted me and said he really wanted to share this information. So I thought, yes, this is the perfect opportunity to educate people and let people know more about why mental health is so important and why it's also really needed in these correctional facilities. So before we get into that awesome episode and awesome chat, I do want to let you know, I'm sure you could see my little hat right here. We have hats, stickers, and all the fun merch. You could find that at www.scatschats.com. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, obviously, if you're watching. Hello. Uh, you could find us on there at Scats Chats. If you want to give us some other love today, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, you can leave a comment with your thoughts down below, or you can even write us a review on Apple Podcasts. These things really help to support the podcast and to spread the love, the positivity, and all the inspirational stories so that other people can discover this amazing podcast. So without further ado, let's get into my chat with Austin and really learn more about this position and learn more about just the utter importance of mental health and wellness. Hope you enjoy. Austin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know you had reached out to me and you were like, hey, I have this really interesting job, has to do with mental health and I really wanna chat about it. And so here we are. I'm, I'm excited to, to learn more about it too and to see you know, exactly what kind of goes along with being a counselor in incarceration. So say a little, you know, intro about yourself and, and what exactly is your, you know, title or position and, and what do you do? Yeah, thank you uh, for having me on. Um, yeah, so I'm a licensed associate counselor, uh, but like you said, as of right now, I work in incarceration. It wasn't what I was always doing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I had two, I think, yeah, two things before incarceration. Uh, but yeah, car incarceration just kind of just fell into my lap. Um, and I've learned quite a bit about mental health, uh, through it. Not that like the other jobs that I had didn't, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's a whole different ball game, uh, when you're talking to people behind bars. Have you ever been in jail before or into visited a jail? No. Um, I mean, to be quite honest, like, you know, you see the scenes on TV or a movie or something like that. I think it would be an interesting experience, but also I guess scary if I like if I don't have anyone to visit specifically then uh I would just 
be there. I don't know, but it, I, so it, to sum it up, I haven't, but it would be an interesting experience for me, I think. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say the same thing. Like the only thing that I knew about prison and jail was just movies and TV. So mm -hmm. I had some sort of generic concept of it. And then I just figured, you know, I'm going to see the worst human beings, you know, I'll say that as a precursor, like the worst human beings in the world. Um, because, and, and some, you know, some people just messed up. Um, you know, I saw a range of people, you know, people who were in there for DUIs versus people who killed four or five people, you know, mm -hmm. did really horrible, you know, sexual things to people of all ages type stuff. Um, and uh, I worked in the mental health unit and I still work on a mental health yard. Um, so people who are, uh, who have SMI status or serious mental illness, um, they can come onto our yard um, and stabilize. We get them stable with medications and also with therapy, give them treatment plans, and then they get sent to a, like a bigger or real yard um, so that they can um, survive better, um, mm. live a better life while in prison. Um, so a majority of the people who I talk to are like actively committing suicide or want to, or hearing voices, seeing things, feeling things. That's tough. Um, it's interesting. To, 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 um, to deal with like those types of patients, I mean. You know, yeah, not for you them. Have be, yeah, you have to be really good at compartmentalizing, super, mm -hmm. super good, because you know you'll hear some of the craziest stuff you've ever heard, um, whether it's true, not true, delusions, or you know fantasies, whatever it is. But you'll hear some stuff, and then you have to go home. Uh, yeah, and I, I will say this though, you know, I said you know it, it's not a safe place, but I actually, since I've been working in incarceration for over a year now, in total. Um, I feel safer in jail and, and in prison than I do in the outside world. Um, mm. It's it, there's rules and guide uh, guidelines in prison and jail that, of course, you you know, on, in the outside world, it's just free for all. It seems, you know, you see a crazy person, you know, crazy person out at you know a, a gas station. It's a lot scarier of an experience than seeing the same type, same exact person while incarcerated. Even if they're not behind bars, it's like you know you have guards there. Um, right. There's structure to it. Um, they can't escape. So I think that kind of just offers that sort of um, buffer. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And um, one thing I wanted to ask too is kind of what you brought up where it's like, you know, you, you deal with these people and then you go home. Like, how do you get, I guess, not the practice, but like, how do you um, prevent yourself from like carrying that you know, possibly negative energy with you, like you said, when you go home, like, how do you, how do you deal with that, I guess? So coping skills, it's, I hate, I hate using that term, but you know, it's a term, if you ever go into therapy or if you're a mental health yourself, you're going to, you know, hear 10,000 times uh, a day, uh, but coping skills, you really have to find a way to keep yourself relaxed and to focus your mind on something else to like leave. It, it's taking off different hats. It's like mm -hmm. when I'm in, when I'm incarcerated or when I'm working in incarceration, this is who I am. But then as soon as I leave that door, the, you know, the doors close, close behind me, I'm trying actively to get back to my normal self. I thought I had a pretty good and dark imagination before, but it's, you know, everything's just gotten, you know, my humor has gotten darker. My everything has just because it's a deep, dark, depressing place. Um, yeah. but then again, so is therapy because, you know, we're just taking in everybody, you know, everybody's problems in a sense and all that information is overload. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's like someone texts me about something that like, I don't care about, like, like, Oh, here's what happened on the Kardashians. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> listen, I don't, I really do not. I won't say it even this nice. I'm like, I do not care. Uh, don't yeah. like, I don't want to talk about this. Um, but I have to, I have to self-advocate myself, you know, practice what I preach. 
Um, this is how I'm feeling. Here's why. Um, this is what I need. What made you want to study psychology, I guess? Like, was there a specific reason that you wanted to to go into the specific field at all? Yeah. Uh, well, per personally, I'm the, I'm, I like to find something that I, that needs fixing or um, needs help, I, I guess would be a better term. And I don't mean just like with helping people. Um, when I first went into school, I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney. Um, mm. And I was preparing to take the LSAT and all that stuff. And then literally right after taking the LSAT, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I think I want to, I think I could use my voice in a different way. I like arguing. I love philosophy. Philosophy was my favorite. You know, I, I majored in psychology and I minored in philosophy, but if I could have made philosophy, you know, a double major, or just done that and got a PhD in that, like mm -hmm. would have been totally happy. But, you know, what do you do with a, a philosophy PhD? Really nothing, unless well, you apply it to something. I don't even know. And this is going to make me sound so stupid right now, and it's okay if people laugh at me. You you might, but I don't know what the difference is between psychology and philosophy. I mean, isn't it kind of similar, in a way? That's actually no. It's it's pretty. It's it's a pretty astute observation. At okay. least that's what I listened or, or I, I viewed it as because mm -hmm. I was like, okay, philosophy is just different ways of thinking. Um, in psychology, you're trying, in, at least in my, the way I view psychology is you're trying to get people out of their ways of thinking, out of the different schemas that they've created for themselves. Mm. Um, so it's, how can I, how can I apply existential, uh, philosophy into therapy? And then actually there's, there's a theory of, um, psychology called existential theory. Um, but it's, or how do we take nihilism and turn it into something? How do we turn, it, it, it all kind of comes from those concepts. So I would even ask, when I was in my master's, I would ask my professors, like, do you see yourself as a psychologist or do you see yourself as a philosopher? And I found that they were stumped answering those questions. But uh, yeah, so I, I was like, okay, maybe I can do this therapy thing. Um, I really liked, I listened to a, a, a pastor, podcaster, who's one of my favorite podcasters, listen to comedians and stuff. And I really felt therapized by listening to these people. So I was like, okay, maybe I can, I can do this. Um, and so I went into my master's and I'm, I'm really trying to find myself and what kind of therapist I want to be, what I want to do. I knew I didn't just want to work for a company. Like I'm not going to work in prison for, you know, the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you know, granted a year from now. Cause I, I really, it's, it's not my thing. I want to, I want to run my own clinic. Uh, and so with it, with that, I was thinking, okay, what, what could be my thing? And uh, I noticed that in my master's and, and further, we have, a lot of different type of counseling directions you can go and there's classes for them. So there's, you know, the women's counseling, there was mm -hmm. LGBT counseling, multicultural counseling, all these different types of counselings, which is great. You know, if you want to specialize in a certain area, the one area where we did not have a class and I started to look around and I noticed that most schools do not have this uh, course either and don't teach this is men's counseling. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, if, if, I'm already interested in helping out men in general. I knew that if I was going to be in counseling, I would want to, you know, do something in a men's clinic area. And then being in school kind of just set that off. I was like, um, there was really no help for men, um, no good solid help. In my opinion, it was all taken from different non-male exclusive pers uh, perspectives, which I thought was wrong. You know, if we have other uh, specific perspectives for groups, why couldn't we have one for men? Um, mm -hmm. so it was like, okay, maybe I can even do research and 
become a professor. And if this, this course isn't offered, maybe that's where my little niche is, or, you know, that's where I can fit in. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I've been pursuing now. It's just more specifically men's therapy, but you know, I, I I've counseled women before too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to that point too, um, uh, I guess without getting too like political, obviously, but which I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, you're not going to, but, um, I think that, you know, there's the specialized like women, LGBTQ, um, people of color, whatever, but also I think men do struggle with, there's a lot of, you know, like the, as people say, toxic masculinity, like ideologies maybe, and that might be, you know, uh, more specific, obviously that men have to go through. So that makes sense that you're thinking like, okay, why is there no specific, um, like subsection for men? But I think there are a lot of like, I guess, ideologies that society likes to, um, put on men that they have to be tough and not show their feelings and just kind of like that to like cover the surface. Am I, am I going in the right direction there? I, th I think there's, that's one part of it. I think that's what psychology now tries to focus a lot on it when it comes to men. It's the idea of toxic masculinity. But mm -hmm. I think what I found that was really alarming about men's mental health was that, um, I, I'll, I'll ask you this first, like, do you know what demographic of people are killing themselves the most? Completing suicide, not attempting. Um, I mean, I would say LGBTQ category. So, so the majority of people who are killing themselves or completing suicide are men between the ages of, I think it was like 40 and 85. Oh, um, and even kind of an older category. More, yeah, um, yeah. And even more specific, it, it's white men. But I, I, what I think for that is more just, there's more white people in the U.S. So of course it would kind of skew that mm -hmm. way. It's just what I think. Um, but yeah, the majority of people killing themselves are older men. Um, and you have to ask yourself, well, why is this happening? And that was the question I was asking myself in, in school, but wasn't getting any solid answers for it. Um, you know, there's a lot of problems that men deal with. We're, we're homeless more. Um, we go to war mm. or we're the ones who go to war more often. Um, and, and for instance, like when I'm 18 years old or where any male is 18 years old, they have to sign a little yellow waiver when they get their ID saying like, Hey, if there's ever a war, um, and there's a draft, you're going, oh. and if you don't, you're going to prison for the rest of your life or you have to, um, flee the country. So it's, and then, you know, we see in movies too, and TV shows where it's like, save the women and children, kill all the men. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we see these tropes on TV cartoons where it's like the most popular cartoon in existence, well, a comedy, I guess, is either The Simpsons or Family Guy, mm -hmm. both idiotic fathers, um, you know, with, and so, and so it's like, we, we, we're not given very strong um, uh, people to look up to, I guess, as men, you know, it's either, oh, go into war, or, you know, don't express your feelings in a sense, or don't, mm -hmm. it, it, well, it's not that men don't have feelings, and we don't know how to express them, it's just, a lot of the times, we don't feel safe to, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and for a lot of times, it's not safe, like, you know, when men become or put themselves in that vulnerable position, um, there's a lot of opportunity for people to take advantage um, or to try something. And this is the, this is what I face a lot in prison. It's like trying to get these guys to express really what's going on, really how do you feel, because I'm here for you. Um, and that's mm -hmm. what I try to tell most of my the males who I talk to is more like, you know, you have to go, you're not, you know, you're not going to be a therapist, but you need to really ask your, your fellow brother, your fellow man, like, Hey, what's wrong? Or like, are mm -hmm. you okay? Or, you know, when people say like, what's good, bro? Like, what, you know, really, really ask that question. Are you okay? 
Um, and if not, what can I do to help you? Um, yeah, and it's men and women think differently. Um, mm -hmm. We behave differently. We have different um, levels of how we express our emotions. Um, so, of course, therapy needs to be um, specified for that. You know, a lot of the times we deal, or men deal with anger. That's what we'll express way more often than any other emotion. Mm -hmm. um, but anger is always stemming from something. So that's the that's my 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 kind of ideology is that if you see an angry person in general, you know, it doesn't matter the gender, sexual orientation. Anger is never the first emotion. It's always something else. So mm -hmm. what what is that stemming from? Is it fear? Are you you know is is it sadness? Is it you know, confusion, what is making you so angry? And then let's figure that out. And then, you know, let's get out of that. That's interesting. I actually did not know that, but it makes sense. And I think, yeah, like no matter who you are, whoever's listening to this, maybe that's something that they can take away um, to kind of, like, if they are angry about something, like what's, you know, what's causing that to kind of like dig yeah, I, more into that and how they feel. A lot of people don't know their emotions. Like it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, it was it was hard for you know kids on the spectrum, people on the spectrum, to know their emotions. But you know, it's we a lot of us do not know our emotions and don't know ourselves that well. Um, so it's it's pretty important to if you're noticing that you're always feeling a certain emotion, you need to find out your triggers. Like what's what's is it something you're seeing, smelling, you know, any of the senses? What what's happening? Something you're thinking about. Um, you need to, uh, what I would say is that no emotion is a bad emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, they may not feel good, but no emotion is, is in and of itself bad. Anger isn't bad. Um, sadness isn't bad. Depression isn't bad. Like a lot of these things aren't bad. It's just, what do we do with it? Do we let it fester? Do we let it sit forever and ever? Do we, um, not let it come out? Do we not, you know, try to handle it? And if you're not, then that's when it can get pretty bad. Um, so yeah, the, if you can figure out why, what's, what emotions started off you being so angry, you're going to, you know, figure it out a little bit faster. Um, and then, okay, now I know my triggers. Here's what I can do to relax. Like, okay, now I can kind of get a grip on this. It'll take some work, I'm sure, to get used to that process. But that's pretty yeah. interesting. If you, if, you know, if you know that, okay, I need to do work in this area, then you will speed up the process to heal from those emotions. Yeah. And I think... You know, you have to, we, we're really hard on ourselves. At least I know myself, for instance, you know, as an example, I'm really hard on myself. Um, I don't, um, you know, if I, if I mess up on something or if I make a mistake or if I don't, I, I'll, I'm very future thinking. That's my problem. You know, the past, it, what, what I try to get into is more the past is the past. It's over. You can't fix it. You can't do anything about it. So what are you doing with the here and now? That's that's what's most important in my eyes. And I try mm -hmm. to teach, especially the guys in prison, it's the past is the past, it's over, you know, and the future doesn't exist. You know, an, an asteroid can hit us tomorrow and everybody on earth is dead. And then you spent your last two hours like freaking out about, you know, that you're, you know, a bird pooped on your car. You know, it's like how, yeah. you know, dumb is that? And, and it's mm -hmm. not like a bad thing. It's just, you know, when you really take a step back, it's like, oh, my significant other left me. I'm, you know, but if we all die tomorrow, it's like, okay, you spent your last moments being so sad about somebody else. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm saying that too, because I've had experiences like that myself. Um, so it's, 
you know, you really have to understand what yourself in the sense of, okay, what's going to make me feel this way? What's going to make me feel this way? And if I know that this is something that's hard for me to deal with, then I'm going to either try to avoid it as much as I can or prepare myself so that if it does happen, this is what I'm going to do. Like for instance, journaling, you know, if you, mm -hmm. I, I really, I, I never like journaling. I don't really like writing. I'm much like, much more like typing things, but something about journaling um, when I'm feeling sad or down, something about writing it down with like a, my favorite pen and like one specific notebook that nobody knows where it is. The type <laughs> stuff. It's like, I like that because it's like, I never even read my journal entries. Like I filled out a whole book one time. I never, ever read them. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm like, you know what? It all got out of my head. I don't need to look back. You know, maybe in a couple of years I can look back and go like, what the hell was I thinking? But you know, <laughs> yeah, until then, right. yeah. or just burden. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but mm -hmm. yeah, you need to, you need to have like, again, coping skills. You need to figure out a way to, um, get yourself in my eyes to get yourself to a place of um, peace and calmness and stillness. Mm. That's what I think is the most effective thing. Um, Cause in my eyes, I know, I know I'm ranting now, but oh, uh, please. in my Go eyes, ahead. happy happiness is, is the, the biggest lie emotion or like the most scandalous emotion. Like I've never, maybe mm. I, mean, I need to figure out a better coinage for it. I don't, happiness is a lie in a sense. Okay. You know, it feels good to be happy, but I think happy is, happiness is one of those emotions where it's like, oh, I think this is going to last forever. Just like depression. Um, oh, if I don't do this or if I don't feel the same amount of happiness, then something is wrong. Oh, if this, you know, this isn't making me happy anymore, this is wrong. You know, so it's, it's such like a, a dichotomy where, you know, the very black and white, if I'm not happy, then this, I, I don't know. I mean, I think peace and calmness and stillness is, is works a lot better for me. And it puts a lot less pressure on me to feel happy or to, if happiness comes, I'll deal with it. If sadness comes, I deal with it. If anger comes, I'll deal with it. Find the peace in those emotions so that your body can kind of naturally go through what it needs to cry. If you need to, you know, do whatever you got to do. Um, mm -hmm. go punch a punching bag or something, you know, figure out a way to handle that emotion, but find peace in it. Cause you know, Oh, my mom dies. Like, yeah, of course I would be depressed, but how can I find the peace in that depression or in that sadness so I can overcome it a little bit easier? Yeah. That makes sense that you mentioned that about, about happiness, because, um, at first when you like first mentioned it, I was like, Hmm, interesting, you know, different perspective, but it makes sense how, when I view like, oh, I'm happy, happiness, it seems to me like like an overarching term, maybe to try to cover up something that's really deep down. Whereas like you said, peace, like you you have to dig deeper to find that real like inner peace and calm, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, it's like with trauma too. I think that's a lot of trauma counseling. That's what they'll, you know, they'll try to get towards is like, you're never going to forget that this happened for the most part. You know, if you're really young, your brain kind of protects you and maybe you will forget some of these things, which is healthy and natural as well. Um, but for those things that you, you're never, ever going to forget that happened in my, in my opinion, I would rather feel nothing about it when I think about it versus like feel something at all. You know, it's like, Oh, this traumatic happened to me, but eh, whatever I can talk about it. I don't care. You know, I don't care anymore. You know, here's mm -hmm. this and this, and it's not even like a, you know, defeated. It's more just like, no, it just doesn't, it doesn't affect me anymore because if something like when I, let's say I'm 10 years old and something traumatic happens to me, but every day after that, or every week after that, however long after that, I'm still thinking about it. And I still get brought right back into that place. For me, that event never ended. Yeah. It happened when I was 10, but it never ended. So how can I, 
I, when I stop feeling emotions about it, then that's finally, okay, it's not controlling me anymore. It's not, um, it, it's, it doesn't affect me. Yeah, so, yeah. that makes sense. And I'm going to, I don't care because this is my podcast. I don't care, but I'm going to yeah. just mention something a little personal, but I, I guess I've kind of had that same experience with my parents' divorce. My parents got divorced, I think when I was about 14 or 15. And at the time I was like, okay, like this doesn't affect me. Woohoo. Like they're cordial, whatever. But now in like the past year, like things are coming up again where I didn't realize back then that like, I, I just didn't feel anything from it or I, their emotions were there, but I didn't want to deal with them. And so now that things are coming up, like, I feel like I'm really resolving, you know, like that part of me that was like really sad, of course, because your parents get divorced. Right. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting how things like, how things come up at a later point And then what, when you're ready to finally deal with them, you know, then, then they get really like truly resolved. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and of course, yeah, it's when you're ready, when you think you're at a stable enough position to do that, because mm -hmm. especially when it comes to trauma work or grief, um, if you try to open up that basket, just, you know, as quick as possible, rip off the bandaid, it's, n I don't think it's really going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, it may work for some, you know, people who, uh, I, you know, I've, I hear the spectrum, especially in prison where it's like people who do fentanyl and meth for years and years and years and years and years, and then are just able to stop right? Cold turkey, just one day, go through the withdrawal and then, you know, I don't need to try it again until I get out. But, uh, mm -hmm. or I have people who are like, they're trying to get meth in the prison, try to get the fentanyl in the prison because they cannot stop doing it. Um, and then, or it's like, then they have to wean themselves off. Okay. I'm going to do less and less and less and less and less and less and then finally get off of it. Um, so yeah, it just, it really, it runs the spectrum, but I think for the most part, trauma and traumatic experiences, you need to take the proper time to do it. And just let, what is, really get in tune with your body um, and your, your, I don't know, I, I want to say, I feel like, again, this is more like philosophy rants too, just like, this That's is okay. how I view, yeah. uh, in my, just from what I've been working on, and it's not with myself, but just with others, um, I try to tell the, or teach these guys that your thoughts may not be your own, um, which mm. to kind of, to kind of bring that into easier um, or more chewable uh, uh, or more chewable discussion would be more like, you know, if I have a thought, it's, I'm not saying that I'm the only one that's ever thought that, oh, oh, it's, yeah, there wasn't a men's counseling program or whatever, but I know that there's other people out there who are in counseling who think the exact same thing as I do. So these thoughts are not, even though these, these are good thoughts, or I'm associating these with good thoughts, um, it doesn't mean that they're my own. Same thing with the bad thoughts, right? Oh, like for instance, oh, I'm ugly. Oh, I'm overweight. Oh, I'm this, this, and this. You're not the only one who thinks that about, you know, you know, I, I could think that about myself. You could think that about yourself. Like those thoughts are not exclusively our own. So if they're not, then why do you listen to them? Um, if you would not do that in your normal state, you know, if you're not anxious or you're not depressed, you're not this in a normal state, if you wouldn't beat yourself up like that, then why are you listening to those thoughts? Um, they're mm. no good for you. That's, you, you know, if those thoughts are good, you know, these thoughts can be bad, then why are you listening to any of the bad ones? Um, you got to be there for yourself more than anybody else. I think you, once you get that sense of identity um, and being able to live on your own and do your own thing um, and not really care about what anybody else says, that's when you're going to be the most at peace. Um, yeah. So it's, I, again, a weird phrase that I have is, you know, we're born alone and we die alone. No matter who we have around us, no matter what relationships we have, we're just, we won't be, 
you know, there's not loneliness, but we bor we're born alone and die alone. So why are, mm -hmm. why are you not there for you more than anybody else? You're with you 24 seven. So you better be your own, uh, you know, your, be your own best friend because nobody else is going to do it for you and nobody else cares. Um, yeah. Dark, but no, I'm a hundred percent. I mean, I, I always say too, like, it's the most important relationship that you have is with yourself. I think that's also like a, a cliche quote, but what all yeah. of you said is so entirely true. And I, I, you know, and people are on different levels of how, how close they are with themselves or how much they love themselves internally. But as long as it's a work in progress and you're working towards bettering your relationship with yourself, I think that's, that's a positive, good thing. Yeah. And trying to, trying to, you know, improve, you know, oh, mm -hmm. you make a mistake, you know, yeah, sure. Be upset about it for however long you feel like you need to, but then move on, um, get better. Don't make the same mistake. Um, I don't even, you know, sometimes, especially when people make big mistakes and then they apologize, like it, I guess the, the apology is more for themselves to say it. That's how mm -hmm. I view it. It's, it's really not for me because I know I don't judge. I actually, something I, I have to, you know, I think everyone works on, but you know, I work on myself constantly because of course, dealing with people who tell me the craziest stuff I've ever heard in my entire life. It's like, I'm not going to judge you. I still have to come from a place of love. Um, even though I don't like you. If that, mm. that makes sense, <laughs> it makes I don't total like sense. you, but I, yeah, I, I, I have to, because that's just, if I don't come at some of these guys from a, a place of just true, genuine love for people, um, then I'm going to be, a, I'm, I'm going to be very bitter. Um, I'm going to hate everything. Um, and mm. just, it's going to be the thing that destroys me. Yeah. Cause again, I talked to, I mean, again, I talked to people who have done the worst things that, probably worse than you could anyone could imagine unless you're in that field nurses and medical staff mental health people who work in incarceration and i think in like crisis centers and mm -hmm. psychi psychiatric hospitals like could all kind of relate to where it's like i really have no filter anymore i'll talk about anything you bring up a topic about something i'll bring it up i'll get personal too i just don't care like that's <laughs> where i think yeah. a lot of us are at uh but yeah it's yeah, I, th well, I forget what, what kind of led, led me on that tangent. Um, I don't know, but, but... yeah, love yourself. Yeah, love yourself pretty much. But I, I did want to ask you, and obviously, you know, this is your... Uh, I'm not going to ask you what jail you work at, obviously, but I want to yeah. know, like, what's kind of like a typical day in the life? Like, what's like a typical work day look like for you? Or does it vary? <laughs> yeah, there's... It's... it's God, it's like you never know what's going to happen. You literally never know what's going to mm. happen. You can kind of have like a guess to guess, like, oh, okay, like, I know this person's going to try to attempt to commit suicide, or I know that this is going to happen, or because some a lot of the times I find that I've seen more cries for attention types of suicide attempts, you know, to try to not be a jerk about it or, or an asshole way about, or am I allowed to curse on here? I'm sorry. Yes, please go right, right. ahead. <laughs> about like, or yeah, try not to be a dick about, you know, the way I say it, but there's people who really are attempting suicide and there's people who are just doing it for attention or for secondary gain. Mm -hmm. um and you have to know the difference um and it's so it's i would say a typical day is like i have my own set of clients who i have to see um but then it's running around seeing random people random requests getting stopped at mm -hmm. cells to answer some questions or to find some things out um uh you know running to emergencies uh, suicide attempts and uh suicide completions you know it's just a really wow interesting thing everything is always you're always on your toes i think that was the hardest thing for me to to get used to was just the constant 
um, heightened awareness, always looking over your shoulder because you never know what's going to happen, you know, keeping your radio near you because, again, you never know what's going to happen. I can't tell you how many times I go through, I, and, and the other, my coworkers too, where we were walking through one of the blocks and we're like, okay, if this happens, you know, what can I use as a weapon to like protect myself or like, could I fight this person? You know, it, because you never, you'd really never know. It's not that yeah. these guys are bad. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I can't say that they're not bad guys. But well, but like, you know, you're, guys, you're yeah. in jail. I mean, have you ever watched yeah. um, 60 days in like before you yeah, ever? Yeah. So, I mean, like yeah. that's literal, like footage like that's not like a tv script which i find so fascinating is to like just learn more about what goes on um that's probably the closest i'll ever get to being in a jail is watching that show (laughs) uh, yeah that's what and i i think that's you know when we're in when we're working and when we finally sit down and do notes and you know we're all sitting around each other you know we joke about things uh you know we'll talk about what a certain patient said to us that was absolute insanity Mm -hmm. or you know we have you know just our ways of bonding with each other because you know, you hear the, again, you hear the craziest stuff you've ever heard in your entire life. And these people will do the craziest things, you know, you know, you really have to protect your own mind when you're around these kinds of things, because it's not like normal therapy, you know, and normal therapy, you know, you, you, you feel bad for some of the, your clients and stuff, or, you know, you try not to get any counter-transference from the, from the people you talk to. Uh, But it's hard, you know, you, you know, you, you want them to do well during the week, you know, when, before you see them again the next week, but you can't control that. So mm-hmm. you have to really focus on, okay, what can I control? What can I not control? What are the good things that I am doing? Let's not focus on the bad things or like the terrible things that happen or I see. I'm a human being. You're a human being. There's a reason why you made that decision. And most of the time it has to come from like traumatic childhood or drugs or something like that. So for me, it's like, I want to try to find you again, not this scary event that you did but find that inner you and bring that out again because I, I love you I don't like you um so let me try to like get you to a place where like people can like you again because mm-hmm. not everyone is like you know a therapist or you know someone who's really empathetic you know there's a lot more people who will say um you know burn them at the stake or you know bring back the firing squads and not a lot of people who will be like okay well no this is someone who's hurting and has hurt others how do we fix this so that when they're released because some of these guys get released you know you hear the worst thing in the world and you're like oh it's only a seven-year sentence okay you're out in seven years how do i make you a better person or help you to be a better person so that you don't do something like that again or you can lead a normal life Um, yeah that's what what, yeah helps very interesting um now like what you do you know just like the counseling pretty much is this available for inmates in all U.S. jails, do you know, or is it just like in select jails that have these resources or? No, so mental health units exist in most of the jails okay. and prisons. Um, there's usually like a specific area for like suicide or active suicide stuff um, versus like just mental health problems because, you know, you can meet people who are, you know, the, for lack of better terms, crazy who are not suicidal but cannot be around other people. Um, so, and that's everywhere. I feel like a, a big problem with jail, I, I wouldn't, I just say incarceration in general, even police officers, that type stuff is that they, they're, I don't know how well of training these people get on mental health individuals or people who are dealing with serious mental illnesses. So instead of like, I'll, I'll give you a, for instance, like there was this one guy who I had taught, who I had spoken to, who, uh, has schizophrenia 
and a litany of other things. And he, he, he was seeing things. The voices told him to throw a knife at his mom. He threw a knife at his mom. It didn't, it didn't hurt her. Uh, and then he ran outside and then started banging on one of his neighbor's doors. The police were called. The father runs down to try to go, you know, stop the situation. The cop who went to go grab him, because, you know, it, it, while you're in this setting, you can actually read some of the police reports. Mm -hmm. The police officer who went to go answer was an officer who had previously worked as a lieutenant in a prison in the mental health unit. So he has experiences with people with serious mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. When he went to go talk to this guy, he was, you know, at the door still banging on the neighbor's door. Um, and... He called out to him, took out his taser and said, you know, stand down, whatever, whatever he was saying. The guy turns around, picks a brick up off the floor and throws it at the police officer. Um, the police officer tases him, cuffs him, you know, puts him in the squad car and then, you know, does whatever they do with the whole charges and whatever. But he didn't give him an aggravated assault against a peace mm. officer charge. And the reason why he didn't was because, okay, well, he, I know this guy's having a mental break that he didn't really mean to do that. You know, and you so I'm not going to, he already has like this charge, like why make it worse? But there's other officers who will just give you, you know, six, seven different charges. Like there was a kid with, there was a guy with autism in the jail who he was in there for a year and a half because he, he punched a police officer who was at his house. And in my opinion, you know, I'm, I work with these kids. If you, if, if kids with autism, if you scare them, if there's something that's not normal, they're going to use whatever they can to feel safe again. If they have to hit you, they're going to hit you. And if you're not de-escalating properly, that's just what's going to happen. That's what mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. This police officer gave him like, like a charge that put him in jail for a year and a half. And this guy, every single day, he could only say like two words and it was mom and home. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, sure. Maybe I did get in trouble a couple of times for giving him, you know, like extra coloring pages or, you know, color pencils and crayons and stuff because, you know, Again, I'm not going to fight the justice system, but, you know, it's just incarceration, especially mental health, is a is an interesting political, uh, you know, uh, space. Uh, but yeah. 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 And there's... These, yeah. No, uh, no. What were you going to say? I was just saying, but then there's like some guys who you talk to who like, they're the nicest person in the world. You're like, they're like, hey, man, I need, you know, I just need the mental health help. I'm so glad that, you know, I'm finally in a place where I can get this. Like, you know, I appreciate you for talking to me. You're so nice and stuff. And I'll walk away and I'm like, wow, what a nice guy. Like, what what could you possibly be in here for? I look up the charges, killed six people, including two children. Literally, and like, how? And then, and then, exactly. And I'll talk to somebody who literally, like, see, will ask me every time that I go up there. They're like, they're like, hey, man, but for real, do you do you not see the shadow people right behind you? And I like look around. I'm like, I don't see nothing. You're like, are you just messing with me? I'm like, nope, I don't see them. He's like, all right, well, like you're not seeing the black squiggles come out of like everything. And I'm like, nope, I don't think that that exists. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm like, okay, what the hell did this person do? I look it up and they just have like a, like a DUI. And it's like, mm. so the spectrum of, you, you never know. Interesting. It's, it's just a mixed pot of, yeah, a mixed pot of everything. Yeah very wild i mean yeah like you would never know i mean basically you just think that people are in there for murder and they're you know they're like possessed by the devil and then that's it you know you don't think about how how wide uh the the ranges of different types of people with different types of yeah. like mental states and things like that yeah yeah and if there's any advice i could give to anybody it's like just for real do everything else other than like meth and fentanyl and heroin like just you know, I would say even LSD and mushrooms and DMT, you know, kind of stay away from those. But like, you know, just 
that's that's a that's a big one is just the people who a lot more people in there who are serious substance abusers that have now given themselves um the voices and the and the the things that they see and um sad it's sad because mm-hmm. it's like you'll they you know these people will never ever be able to recover from that but okay but now how do we get them to just deal with it you know how do they live their normal life with these things that they see with the things that they hear um really interesting and weird work not like yeah. you know like the normal therapy type stuff i feel like like going back to what you had said before like it makes me feel again appreciative for life but then once i get out of prison it's you know i think that a lot of problems that i'm going to be hearing from people or you know it's going to be not easy but just a lot easier than dealing with all the other stuff that comes with prison mm-hmm. yeah and and to kind of sum it up all too you know i i know that you mentioned that this is not specifically what you want to be doing forever but i think you know while you're working towards really what you want to do um with you know counseling and therapy and psychology and all that fun stuff how do you how will you take this experience working in incarceration into the future i mean how will this kind of um go into your into your playbook of of becoming you know a, a psychologist a therapist um so it's funny because the the problems and the people that I deal with in the prison were not very far off or far of a stretch from the people who I was dealing with when I was working with children. It's like, okay, if this does not get handled now, if these things don't get stopped now, that you're on a one track course to be meeting, you know, seeing me where I am now. And I think that if you, I, going into the future, I think it's, I know that majority of the time most of the men who I talk to in prison they really some of them do really want to talk to me and have our sessions a lot of them don't you know they Mm -hmm. just kind of have to and to program and stuff and I give them really good stuff but it's a thankless job so a really thankless job so it's like I think I can take that into the future of just you know giving people what I can and just not expecting a thank you not that I really even was but like expecting a thank you or expecting to see the change it's just like all right here I'm going to give you all the tools I hope for the best you know it's not Mm -hmm. my you're you're not my problem Um, once you come, once you leave my door. Um, I think that as far as a men clinic goes, I think that men get a lot more benefit from therapy if there is um, a group setting, just, I guess, again, just depending on what Mm -hmm. the issue is, but for the most part, a group setting or to where men can, even the therapist can talk about, oh, this is what I've dealt with. Here's a little bit about myself. Now you go as well, because for men, we need that sort of, that push, that safety. Oh, somebody else made themselves vulnerable. Maybe this is a safe spot for me to be mm-hmm. vulnerable now. I think men, or I don't think, statistically men gain friendships more based off of shared activity um, mm-hmm. versus women who gain a lot more of their relationships based off of um, released information. So I feel as, and I don't know maybe if you feel this way with your girlfriends where it's, okay, I've told you this about myself. Now I told you this about myself. Now we're, you know, oh, this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. Oh, we like these things. You know, now let's go. For guys, I could, you know, when I talk to my male friends that I haven't spoken to for like three months, I really do not ask them a lot of questions. I'm just like, yo, how, you know, let's go play video games or mm-hmm. let's, you know, go have a catch or something because that's more fun to me than talking about my emotions. Like I really, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of men think like that. It's not that we don't have emotions. It's that we just don't really care to express them or just don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. even though sometimes we do. So there's a lot of lessons to learn from, I guess, incarceration and to try to steer people away from incarceration. And here's 
you know, the anger, the frustration, the resentment, the depression that could lead you into things like substance abuse, domestic violence, violence in general. To me, we're in a very anxious, depressed overall state. And I mm -hmm. think over the world, you know, just with COVID, with yeah. wars, with all that, you know, all that stuff. So it's interesting or not interesting, or, or you can kind of tell why like the most popular music nowadays is like emo rap or like um, depressing country or like, mm -hmm. you know, all these lyrics that are just very much about suicide and very much about damnation and stress and stuff. It's, it's it, versus forties and fifties music is about like love and happiness and like, yeah. You know, we yeah. just got out of the war and there's a lot of race problems, but we're all going to get through this together. Like, I like that type of music because it makes me feel good um, versus like, you know, the F you type stuff. That's just, you know, what <laughs> definitely I'm doing has a better whatever. message. That's right. <laughs> That's for sure. That's, right. yeah. That's funny. Well, Austin, thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. Thank you for sharing, you know, your experience and all that good stuff. You're welcome to come back on the podcast anytime if there's any other, you know, topic like music. We can, you know, like you said, dive more into that. For a future episode but um you know definitely welcome come on back anytime um and yeah thank you so much i appreciate it yeah no problem thank you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode find out more about us at www.scatschats.com special thanks to nk arts who designed our logo daddy lakis for writing and producing our theme song joe papadenitz for branding photos and our friend abby for social media Scatch.